Welcome to Data Leadership for Everyone. I'm your host, Anthony Algman. Everyone needs to harness the power of data. There's a lot involved in making that happen, and this show is here to make it all a little bit easier. Think of this as an audio advice column for all your data and leadership questions. Our guest today is Ganesh Krishnan. Ganesh is a cybersecurity superhero with over 25 years of experience protecting the digital world from cyber threats. As a two-time founder with a track record of success at some of the world's top tech companies, he's earned a reputation as a thought leader at the forefront of cybersecurity. Now at the helm of Anzena, his latest security startup, he's out to revolutionize the industry by making cybersecurity accessible to every employee, not just the security team. Ganesh, welcome to Data Leadership for Everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Anthony. So we were chatting a little bit before the show started. And, you know, this whole idea of democratizing cybersecurity, making cybersecurity something that's relevant, accessible, understandable, and useful for anyone is fascinating to me because I don't often see that in the places that I've been. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And we'll have a little chat. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at cybersecurity and, and at any company, any enterprise, right, cybersecurity affects every single thing a company does, mm-hmm. right? Every single thing, uh, whether that be all the way from sales to support to marketing to product development to engineering to, you know, anything you can imagine, right? right. Um, and um, and so to have that done right, given where IT is headed, for example, right? So if you look at IT in organizations, it's rapidly decentralizing. Employees have more and more control to use the productivity uh, SaaS applications that they want. You know, you take examples like Canva or any any like a tool that you may use uh, for for to to improve your uh, uh, job function, right? To make it more mm-hmm. efficient, you can use it these days, right? Um, and so employees are becoming, if you think about it, quasi IT people. Right. Like so they're actually taking tools into their own hands and using what they want. Um, and in that mode, you can't just say, OK, this, the security for using those tools, lie, the responsibility for that lies with some centralized organization like a security organization like it does today. It lies with that every single employee that's trying to use new, new tools to improve their productivity and their jobs. So they need to understand the security implications of all the things that they're doing. And so this is just a consequence of way the, where the industry is headed. Not everything is controlled by IT anymore. So, so in that mode, we all have to be empowered and, and empowered with the right information to secure our experience. Okay, so I buy that. I buy that at the high level, although it leads me to a couple of questions because it sounds a lot like things that we've been dealing with, with like data governance or, or other kind of technology and also business impacting things that are not just about technology in isolation. It's about technology in connection to the business. In this case, we're helping business users and, and everyone in the organization. We're, we're talking to some extent about a combination, I guess, of, of education, of technology tools and changing business process am i am i in the right here and that it's like a combination of all three am i missing anything yeah yeah so so you can think about you know whenever you think about like whenever you talk about cybersecurity or privacy or whatever right like when you say it you know the first thing that comes to mind is training right mm-hmm. like what content can i put in front of people so that they learn better um, and so, yes, it's a part of a component, but it's a it's a it's a small part of a larger picture, which I'll explain in a minute. Right. Okay. Today, what we do in training is, you know, we do like an yearly cybersecurity awareness training. 
right? And then the question to ask is, uh, you know, if you exercise once a year, would you be fit? The answer is no, because people are facing cybersecurity and privacy threats on a daily basis, right? Yeah. So the question is, how do you get ex- people to exercise more often, hopefully on a daily basis, right? Um, and in order to do that effectively, you have to engage them and, and make them feel like they're part of the solution, not just part of the problem, right? So, um, so, so, so think of a, um, 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 a scenario where can we figure out what every given employee is doing in the context of their work and then engage them in their workflow and incentivize them to make their uh, security experience, privacy experience better. To give you an example, right? Um, you know, uh, every employee shares documents, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, and, and a lot of people might in, inadvertently share or, or might actually knowingly share because it's blocked by their security team, uh, some document to the outside, uh, outside the company because they need to do their job, mm-hmm. right? That's a teaching moment. That's a context for that employee to not just slap them on the wrist saying, I'm going to block you from sharing documents because you made a mistake. It's kind of the opposite. It's saying, hey, here's a safer way to do your job, right? Mm -hmm. And so there, both the employee and the security organization has to make an effort. The employee has to change their mindset from being, oh, I just want to evade the security people to I want to do the right thing. To the security organization saying, I, I'm not. I'm just not in the business of blocking everyone from doing their jobs. I'm in the business of enabling people to do their jobs safely, right? So you can think of many, many use cases where employees are, um, uh, you know, trying to do their work, like the one mm-hmm. I just mentioned. And you have to catch them at the right moment, incentivize them, not slap them in the wrist, and provide that contextual training that helps them get better. And that reinforcement over time increases retention and and increases just that cognitive um, uh, aspect of employees remembering when it matters the most. Uh, This reminds me of a, of a experience that I had. I used to work for a very large organization. And one of the things that they would do kind of to your point is that they would send emails that looked like phishing emails and looked like you know scam emails and they there was a button you could hit to report these things and in those emails they would be sending them so there was no like actual risk they would send these emails and we would you know if if you reported it as phishing you got a little like gold star like pop up that said yes good job this was sent by our security team and then if you were wrong you got taken to a a web page that was a little bit threatening of like you shouldn't be clicking on these things and what have you so you would be coming again I actually thought that, on, on, by and large, was a really great program to help people be thoughtful about that and give them little nudges with low, you know, low impacts, plus or minus. But like, it helps teach the, the the people the right thing. But there was a missing link to all of this because what would end up happening is that people would get legitimate emails that they thought were phishing and what would happen is if you got it what turned out to be a legitimate email sometimes from the organization itself that seemed to have a partner or something like that that was then sending an email that looked like phishing to the people who had just been trained how to deal with it if you reported it as phishing the email went away and you never got any notification whatsoever as to whether or not that was actually dangerous. And that's my problem is that you train for the one 
side of that condition where, hey, there's an, a, a potential risk that you should take action on, fine. But the flip side is that if you have a false positive or false negative, I guess in this case it would be a false positive, I'm, I'm reporting it, but then I don't know, did I miss an email that was actually really important? I never got any feedback. And that's something too that I think is equally important because otherwise you're just calibrating one side of that equation instead of the whole thing. It, 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 what are your thoughts on that? Is that something that you've seen before? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, um, th there is uh, also uh, an issue with how we are training and how we are making those things perceive, right? So we are training people saying, don't click on links, right? Mm -hmm. But the internet is full of links and it's, their links are meant to be clicked on. Yeah. So there's an inherent conflict there, right? So instead, um, you know, one of the things, the correct things you mentioned in your example is you train people on outcomes, right? Like, okay, can you, maybe if it looks suspicious, right? If it asks you for information, don't report it, right? And same way, what happens when you click on a phishing message? It might take you to a page, fake page that says, give me your password and details, right? right. What we should be training people there on is to use a password manager, right? Not saying don't give your passwords or pick like complicated passwords, but use a password manager. There are tools like that available these days that will store your password and generate good passwords for you. So, so train people to use a password manager and tell them, hey, even if you click some, on something accidentally, because these things happen. I, I've clicked on a lot of things accidentally because like I said, internet is full of links, right? If you use a password manager, the password manager isn't going to fill your password. Mm -hmm. That's when you'll know whether something is fake or not. Right hmm. uh, now, there are other attack scenarios like, you know, it could be malware and it could ask you to download stuff that you should be suspicious about because most stuff on the Internet doesn't require downloads today because mm -hmm. right? you can use it on the browser. So right. you should be cautious. about. So that makes the problem easier rather than saying people saying, oh, this look, link looks suspicious. Let me report it. That's a hard problem, I think. So we have to shift it and not make the messages nasty, even if people click on stuff, because people will make mistakes. What you measure them on is, are they using the right tools? And are they reporting uh, at least the basic stuff that they think is bad? After they clicked on it, the password didn't get filled. That's that's when it makes sense to report, right? You know, it's really an amazing point that I never even thought about, the idea of using a password manager at work. I've used one personally for many years and I have different passwords for every single thing that I have. And that's a very powerful way of doing it. But then I go to the office and then we're all like, preoccupied with, oh, we got to get single sign-on and we got to make you change your password every 90 days that now you can't remember. So you're just trying to come up with your own little way of adjusting it every 90 days and, and beating the system. And then everything is different. And so then every, like, it's just, it is an antiquated way of doing it. So I think you're right. Like, why aren't we using these password managers at the office and trying to handle real security like mm -hmm. security theater doesn't help anybody what you want to do is actually make people safe yeah. and teach really valuable behaviors i think that's a great great point um so what is it that your business does is anzena a consulting firm or is it a product firm or how are you evolving this space directly through the, the work that your company does yeah so we are a product company we are not a consulting company so what we are building is um, a, a product that sits in an employee's workflow um, and enables them um, to engage when it comes to cybersecurity, um, you know, fix their own problems, 
um, and also get incentivized to fix their problems, right? So we are flipping. So rather than snap, uh, snap uh, you know, slapping people on their wrist when they uh, when they when they make a mistake, we think when people everybody makes mistakes, and mistakes are a teaching moment. So mm-hmm. our product picks up those mistakes. A simple way to look at it is, you know, a, our product computes the security posture for every employee as they work, right? Mm-hmm. And then basically reaches out to them directly in their workflow. So you can think of Slack, Microsoft Teams. This is where people are spending their time. So it's not some disjointed email that people don't read, um, mm-hmm. but it reaches out in those platforms and basically gives them context, tells them what's wrong, um, and enables them to auto-fix their problem very easily, right? So the, the thing about changing behavior is that anytime you ask people to do something new, it has to be extremely simple. So you employees can fix issues using a single click, using our platform, and they get contextual training, which is like you know one minute long that says, hey, how do I share documents safely and do my job, right? Not just like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, which is how most security training tends to be. Then the question left to the employee at the end is, well, how do I do my job? <laughs> do I just email this to my personal email address, right? So, uh, so, so our training is around like enablement, right? To say, how do we get employees to do their job? And if you provide that contextually, then it's not just about the content, as you can see. It's about the context. It's about the engagement. It's about the fact that the employee looks at the document and says, oh, this document had sensitive data. This is what it means. Oh, I didn't mean to share this. I should maybe remove this or uh, unshare this, right? And that whole process is what we call engagement and learning versus today, it's just training. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. It, it makes a lot of sense. And it, I mean, it addresses, I mean, it's got to be true that the weakest link in our cybersecurity footprint are the people, right? The people that can be tricked a lot easier overall than the technology systems, because everything is nuanced, the way people communicate and, and to your examples around the internet and links are there to be clicked, right? And so that is uh, the kind of situation that we have. So I really like this idea of having contextual um you know, contextually relevant mm-hmm. trainings and kind of bi-directional types of, of interactions with those users where it's helping them in the moment that they need that help. And that could be a huge boon to how you're actually managing your security in, in an organization. And, and I assume, does this apply uh, for large organizations and smaller organizations or where you, I often wonder like, what applies at the biggest levels versus like if you're a smaller or mid-sized business, are these still the kinds of things that you would need to worry about? I, I would imagine that in this case, yeah, right? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, size does play a role. So to be honest, right, if you are a startup or like 50, 100 employees, you know, most people are really not thinking about it. If we, if you are really honest with ourselves, right, because people are like th- thinking about growing their business and, you know, getting to the next level or whatnot, Right. Uh, but these problems become more apparent when you have like a few security people that are trying to engage with your organization. So like 500 to 1,000 employees is where these problems start to manifest themselves to say, oh, I have no idea what my employees are doing, right? Until then, you can kind of hodgepodge it, and that's what people do. It's more compliance-driven. But you can't run a security program that's primarily compliance-driven once you reach like you know 500 to 1,000 employees. It's very right. hard. You have to look at the risks and you have to kind of uh, uh, manage risks, right? So that's how I would answer your question. 
That makes sense. And and the available capital for investing in this kind of thing is going to be limited in the earliest stages. And the nature of being targeted is a little bit different, too. You'll get generalized targets that hit everybody, but you're, you don't have the resources that people are going to do something super sophisticated and super targeted. Whereas when you're working for a 50,000 uh, person company with, you know, in, in a market cap in the hundreds of billions, like, okay, it's worth the time to come up with something sophisticated to try to infiltrate that. And so that's definitely where you've got to be really thoughtful across so many people. Uh, it, it is very difficult to get that right balance between enablement of helping people do their jobs and restriction from protecting from the biggest threats. So definitely a hairy problem to solve. What advice, I guess, for the people out there, like, for the people out there who aren't making decisions as to whether or not they're going to implement a product to help their cybersecurity, what are the things that people could be doing as individuals to improve their security stance beyond, like you mentioned, the uh, password manager, I think is a great example of a, of a thing everybody could be doing individually even. Uh, but for anyone who's in a business where they're like, I just want to make sure I'm doing the right thing, what, what kinds of advice would you have for them? Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, the, the basics always matter, right? So, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the the basic threats are still the the biggest ones, right? Like, uh, you know, your your phishing, your um, uh, your basic social engineering. That's how most breaches are still happening, uh, right? So, so, uh, so it's not just the password manager, but a lot of times, you know, we get caught in the moment. Like, oh, we get some uh, email and somebody says it's from our boss or my boss's boss or my CFO or whatever. Uh, you know, what I would advise people is nothing is as uh, is as urgent as it seems. So just take a deep breath and just going back to some that email or whatever message or SMS or whatever it is, is a much better strategy. And just taking that step back, it's almost like telling people, you know, when you get a na nasty looking email from someone, you're almost always... Uh, uh, you know, inclined to respond immediately and say, oh my God, like this sucks, you know, whatever, right? It's the same thing applies in security because that's the emotional response. So if we hmm. avoid the emotional response in cybersecurity as individuals, we would be in much better shape. And that's what the attackers pry on, right? Um, and so just taking a step back, uh, of course, using tools, you know, password managers and all of those things will really help. But just not getting caught in the spur of the moment will, you know, avoid a lot of problems for people. Uh, and, and, you know, other basics like keeping your machines patched. Like if you see a, like a browser thing that says Chrome says, you know, turning blue, orange or red, just click mm -hmm. update. These days it's a lot easier. It's not going to like slow you down. The browser just restarts, right? And then have a way to just patch your machine if you get a notice from your IT systems or whatever, patch my machine. Make sure to do that. Um, uh, I think those are some of those simple things. Those have gotten better over time, so it's, they don't suck as much as they used to. Uh, um, so, uh, so you know, um, doing the basics will definitely help. Right? I, I, is there a magic? Because a lot of organizations are hesitant to be the first one doing these kinds of patch updates or what have you, but then there's kind of risk on both sides. If you do it too fast, you might encounter unexpected problems. If you do it too slow, then there's known problems that you're going to be subject to. Is there a, especially for those kind of mid-sized organizations that maybe don't have a super sophisticated internal IT team, is there a good rule of thumb of like, how quickly should you be doing all of these updates? Or if, if you have to ask the question, just go update your software immediately. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, just turn on auto updates. 
Um, and just like, if you have to think too much about it, it becomes more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think the auto updates have gotten better over yeah. time. And make sure to back up your data. Because the worst thing that happens is you lose your machine to some ransomware hack, and then you don't have your data. Make sure your data is somewhere safe, protected with multi-factor, right? So don't put mm-hmm. your data and then protect it with a weak password. Just make sure it requires a password plus something else. And these are some, if you don't have the IT infrastructure to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, and physically separate where it's not just, oh, it's on another folder or another drive on the same network. Like that's that's bad. I wanted to ask you about this whole ransomware thing. I haven't actually heard as much about ransomware maybe in the last six months, but I assume that's still a huge problem. And that's, I just, is there a good answer for that? Or is this something that we're going to have to continue to deal with and just... Sometimes you're just going to have to pay. Like, uh, how can you avoid ransomware and be sure that this is not going to impact your business, especially for those kind of mid-sized businesses out there? Yeah, I mean, you cannot really avoid it, right? Like, it's like saying, how can I avoid crime in the real world? You can't because there are, there are always criminals in the real world, right? right? So, right. so you can't avoid it. People will always target you. In fact, even smaller companies, uh, you know, should uh, get targeted uh, because attackers want to get. It depends on what their motivation is. They want to attack, get more and more, own more and more uh, uh, surface area so that they can use some company to attack another company. And so there's lots of different attack techniques, right? Um, And so you're always going to have, but the way people deliver malware is usually through a social engineering attack, usually, because they'll send you an email or, or some kind of message somewhere that gets you to do something and install some software or exploit a vulnerability on your machine that's unpatched, uh, right? That's why, you know, keeping the machine up to date um, um, and having those basic password manager and those practices and not getting caught in the spur of the moment is is still super important, right? Um, and, 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 you know, there is, there is lots of security threats, right? So malware is one of them, malware, mm-hmm. phishing. Malware used to be, malware and ransomware is basically the same thing, right? Because you're delivering bad software that instead of sitting on your machine and trying to do something else, it's trying to lock up your machine and asking you money to unlock it. It's all the same thing. Um, and then you've got supply chain application attacks, right? So if you're using third-party software, you might have heard of the SolarWinds hack that was deployed in hundreds of thousands of companies. So if SolarWinds got hacked, all those companies got hacked as well. Uh, then there is cloud, right? A lot of companies are moving to uh, public cloud, like AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, and putting all their data there, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's different ways to protect that data. The threats are still the same, like the data needs to be access controlled, privacy preserved, whatever your controls are. But but the way you do them is different in cloud, which is what people are struggling with. Because now you have moved from an on-prem infrastructure behind a firewall with NetApps or whatever you were using for storage to S3 buckets and things that might get open to the world all of a sudden, right? So people have to watch out for those, right? Um, and then the last is, you know, sort of uh, people. And what doesn't get talked about uh, is the scalability of the security team, right? So if you have a security organization, remember they are facilitators. They are the experts that you can lean on for guidance, they are not the ones responsible to fix all your security problems because imagine a team of, uh, you know, 10 security people for a, a company of, you know, 5,000 5, or 10,000 people, right? That, that just doesn't add up. That's why it needs to be democratized. That's why everybody needs to own their security problems and lean on the security organization 
for expertise and guidance on how to protect the, the enterprise overall, right? So, so those are some of the top risks uh, we see. Uh, uh, in cybersecurity, basically, those are all great points, and and I think that the cloud uh, stuff, especially, is is very relevant because you can make mistakes in the cloud, and a you could be subject to unlimited costs, which is a problem, and then you could also be unintentionally and not knowingly leaving something completely open to the world. And it's not easy to know that you did that. And so it is a real challenge. And I want to test, while we still have a minute, I want to test something that I've assumed for a long time or that I imagine a lot of the audiences assumed for a long time and see whether or not that's true. So when I think about like devices that I own or devices that my company has in play, I think about Windows computers, laptops, I think about Mac computers, laptops, and I think about mobile devices. Now, in my mind, I know historically, they would always like the, the, you know, the viruses and whatnot would target Windows machines more than Macs. Is that still true? And how well protected from these kinds of threats are our mobile devices by comparison? So how do they all fit together now and have that have the nature of the attacks changed? Yeah, I mean, I think Windows attacks historically were because Windows just made it easier to install software. Like this has been true even 20 years ago. Yeah. Right? There used to be ActiveX controls when you went to a website and it just installed something that you didn't even know about. You didn't even get a prompt. So then that's how the whole you know Windows thing started. Uh, but, you know, bad software can be installed in any device, right? Mm-hmm. Because all it needs is approval from the user of that device. And if you can get catch that user at the wrong moment, then you're basically going to get that software installed. And then all bets are off from that point on. So right. we shouldn't assume that just because we use a different type of device, that somehow we are more secure without following the best practices we outlined. Great attempt. So buying that iPad doesn't give you complete security just because it's from Apple. Like you, you still have to have good practices, especially when it comes to things like the social engineering side. It doesn't matter what device you have. If, if you end up giving up a password that can access a whole bunch of stuff, watch out because that's going to that's gonna be problematic. So Ganesh, we are out of time, but I really appreciate this. This has got me thinking a whole lot about security and what we're doing in our organizations to um, make the most of it. Anything, any last parting thoughts before we before we go? No, I mean, own up to your security problems to every viewer uh, and don't leave it to somebody else because the only thing we can't outsource, cannot be outsourced, is responsibility. And everybody is responsible for the security and privacy and uh, of their data and the trust of their customers for the companies that they work for. Great points. Ganesh, thank you for being on Data Leadership for Everyone. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Anthony, for having me on the show. And this podcast is Data Leadership for Everyone, but if you need some data leadership for you, I want to help. So send your questions to podcast at dl4e1.com, or my phone number is 773-888-2077 if you'd prefer to text or leave a voicemail. I'm happy to address a question on the show or connect for a one-on-one conversation. You can always find subscription links and all our episodes at dataleadershipforeveryone.com. And until next time, be good to your data, be better to your business, and be best to each other. Now go make an impact.